This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Who is Peter Thiel? The answer to that question probably depends on when you ask it. At one point, he was the co-founder of PayPal, and after being an early investor in Facebook, he became one of the most successful venture capitalists in Silicon Valley. You may also know Thiel as the man who killed Gawker, or more recently as a close friend and supporter of former President Donald Trump. Thiel is a complex character who's had outsized influence over startup culture, and Bloomberg's Max Chafkin has chronicled it all in his new book, The Contrarian, Peter Thiel and Silicon Valley's Pursuit of Power. Max spoke with Peter Kafka recently for the Recode Media podcast. Here's a bit of their conversation. I have a vague idea. I had a vague idea who Peter Thiel was. Decent idea who Peter Thiel was before I read your book and, and, and even before he became America's favorite supervillain a few years ago. But for the uninitiated, for people who have, a vague, who have an even vaguer idea of who he is, who is Peter Thiel and why does he matter? Why does he merit a book? Right. So uh, Peter Thiel is, uh, I, I would argue, the most influential venture capitalist in Silicon Valley over the last couple of decades. Um, if you go back, like I said, over the last 20 years, uh, you can go down the list of tech companies that he has either you know, made a key early investment in or played some role or had a friend who, made an imp- who played an important role. So Facebook, uh, he was the first investor. He co-founded uh, PayPal founded Palantir, founded a, a venture capital firm, Founders Fund. So he's, he's kind of everywhere in the tech world. And and the thing to me that m- made him really interesting, I think, is that in 2016, he he had a conservative political profile, but, but, but it wasn't widely known. In the same month, in May, sort of gets himself put on the delegate list for Donald Trump at the Republican National Convention, where he gives a speech. And the same month, exposes himself and is exposed as the secret financer of the Gawker litigation. So he suddenly, uh, as you say, kind of emerges in this kind of power player role after playing a mostly behind-the-scenes role in Silicon Valley, although, as you say, tech people know who he is. But that, to me, was really interesting, and both because there's some inherent conflict there, be, being a technology industry person, a futurist, and backing you know, essentially a reactionary uh, in Donald Trump. And also there's there's an interesting story of Silicon Valley itself going from being this economic, cultural, political sideshow to engaging, you know, at the highest levels. Prior to his ascent and sort of national consciousness, my, my understanding of him was he, he kind of seemed of a type of, of a valley person, which is smart, weird, libertarian-leaning, but maybe not doctrinaire, and was the kind of person who'd been successful early and on in his life. And so... And that combination made it sort of ideologically rigid and 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 very attractive to lots of people, right? Who either wanted to tell other people to fuck off and or be wildly rich. Is he of a piece of a group of people in the valley, or is or is something truly unique about him? So, I mean, there's kind of a conventional wisdom that you heard um, 
bandied about a lot in 2016 when he got up on the stage of the Republican convention in Florida, which was that, okay, he's basically unlike everybody in Silicon Valley. He's the the only conservative. And that's sort of based on the what I think is basically a stereotype about, you know, California or something. You know, you think obviously California has a lot of Democrats in it. And uh, most tech workers, uh, you know, sort of like regular normal clock in or whatever badge in tech workers are pretty liberal. But of course, there's been a a kind of competing movement in Silicon Valley for a really long time. Um, And and, and the book gets into that. I mean, you know, there's always been a really, really strong streak of libertarianism, uh, you know, going back to to the earliest days. There's also been kind of a streak of I don't I don't know if this is quite the right word but statism I mean uh, Silicon Valley is uh, of course you know basically an outgrowth of the military industrial complex and and as a result like those cultural threads um, pull through and I think Teal has you know been really smart and and successful at kind of amplifying those. Also, a lot of people think the PayPal mafia, which is this group of venture capitalists and entrepreneurs, they think of it as a, as a technology group. You know, these guys invest in companies. But really, the PayPal mafia grew up at this conservative newspaper that Peter Thiel started in the late 80s called the Stanford Review. Many of the key early figures at PayPal were former Stanford Review guys. They came out of this tradition of activist right-wing politics, and that's Thiel's tradition. So I assume you have sold the, the film rights to this thing. Uh, no, no, they're, they're, really? they're still available. <laughs> okay, because someone should get on it because you do a great job in the beginning setting up this this arc for him where he is the product of this weird upbringing, German immigrant parents, and then dad goes to work in mines in South Africa, and you describe him as sort of, to say the quintessential nerds wrong, but like this character that is almost built to be bullied. Yeah. And then you can sort of see him responding to that literally the rest of his life so far. Yeah. Um, am, I, am, I, am I summing that uh, up? Yeah, 100%. I mean, I think he was, of course, very intelligent and introverted. And that, as a starting point, is is generally a magnet for, uh, you know, kind of bullying. And his family moved around a lot. And they, they were, as he's talked about and, and as I get into in the book, they, they were outsiders. I mean, they were um, German immigrants. They bounced from Cleveland to South Africa and, and you know, lived for a time in Namibia. At the time, it was called Southwest Africa. And um, and then come back to Silicon Valley. And and as you say, he, he was kind of he had a tough time as a young man and and at college, and that sort of he sort of managed to harness that and and take that what I think was anger and turn it into this sort of first this kind of activist um, political project, which is really his first entrepreneurial venture, and then it's kind of the same energy that I think helps propel PayPal in the early years and has propelled his his career you know ever since. And to fast forward all the way to Trump, like his his betting on Trump is a bet. It's a it's saying, you know, if I lose, if I, if, if Trump loses as he's supposed to lose, I've lost a million bucks. Who cares? Right. If he wins, in theory, there's a big payoff for me. He's not. He doesn't like Trump. He's a Carly Fiorina guy at one point, and probably more of a Ted Cruz guy, but places the bet on Trump because that's that's the the odds are good. Well, I think it's. Bo- I think he did like Trump. I mean, and I, I think he does kind of like Trump, although there's like on a personal level, maybe not. I I don't know. I think it's I think it's pretty complicated. uh, One thing about Trump 
It's true. You you could tell like a really convincing story about how Peter Thiel and Donald Trump are just like the opposite. I mean, you know, Trump is this, uh, you know, like I said, reactionary. He's from New York. He's from the real estate industry. That's like the, not that smart. Yeah. Or, you know, he's but he said he's always telling people he's really smart. But he's basically the opposite of, of Thiel, who's this introverted, you know, genius type who's from an industry that despises real estate, despises the kind of or, or, or claims to despise anyway, the kind of like gossip mongering rise that has propelled Trump. Trump. You know, on the other hand, Trump's kind of like the core of his campaign promise was, you know, I am going to say the things that people are afraid to say. I'm going to say things that are kind of borderline racist, sexist, anti-immigrant, whatever, because, you know, poli- the politically correct, you know, police. And, and, and like, I think that when you really get down to it, like that was a big part of Trump's appeal to like core voters. And I think it was a huge appeal for Peter Thiel, who's, who's really like, if he, if you asked him to like rank the, the biggest problems in the world, yeah. he would rank quote unquote political correctness, you know, in the top, I don't know, probably like the top three or something. Maybe, maybe even number one. Um, I want to skip ahead to Facebook and that investment. So at some point, uh, Teal has done well enough that he has $500,000 to invest in Facebook. Is that a random sort of bet on his part? Or did he have real deep insight into Mark Zuckerberg? Or could that have been any other entrepreneur and it doesn't become Facebook and he does not become fabulously rich? I think um, I think it's probably halfway between those two polls. I mean, he was making other little investments at the time. Uh, but, uh, you know, I think there's an investment in LinkedIn, I think an investment in Friendster. So, so, you know, he was obviously thinking about social networks and interested about social networks. And, you know, um, this is where you start to see the, the impact of the PayPal mafia, Reed Hoffman, who was a senior executive at, um, PayPal starts this company, starts a couple of social networks. And I think that's, I mean, that's how Teal finds his way to this world, but you, you got to give him credit because I mean, Mark Zuckerberg, you know, in 2005 doesn't look all that impressive. I mean, yes, like uh, Facebook is, is, is growing, but like he's a somewhat successful guy who got in trouble for doing a vaguely icky thing at Harvard University. And, I, you know, and, and of course, you could see why that would appeal to somebody like Peter mm-hmm. Thiel, because Peter Thiel loves, you know, messing with university administrators. It probably was like the number one attraction. And Zuckerberg, I think, has, uh, you know, some some things in common with Thiel. And one thing that Thiel did in that Facebook investment, I think he, he originally loaned Zuckerberg the money, converted to equity um, after Facebook kind of restructured its company and restructured it in a way that gave Zuckerberg, you know, basically absolute control over the company, which he he still has today. And so Teal's been a you know really important influence in Facebook. But of course, you know, Zuckerberg's you know been running the show and 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 he's and that's partly because Teal set it up that way. Yeah, yeah if you love the scene in the social network where Eduardo Se- at the end, where Eduardo Severin confronts Mark Zuckerberg and, and Sean Parker slash Justin Timberlake, you've got an alternate version of that, the the more accurate one. It's very good. Um I, I didn't fully realize that the so Teal makes hundreds of millions of dollars through that through that investment, but then could have made billions, but basically sold off all his stock around the time of the IPO. So, so and he remains on the board of Facebook. But what is his connection to Facebook? Sort of beyond making money and beyond being the token conservative on the board. I mean, he played a huge. I think he played a huge role in sort of shaping Zuckerberg in terms of his approach to business, for sure. And and I would argue ideologically, Zuckerberg's talked about the the former. Talked about Teal's influence on him in terms terms of how he thinks about startups and stuff. Um, I, you know, I think you can kind of see it in Zuckerberg's philosophical approach to to both business and to the extent that he's he's been political 
politics. You know, Zuckerberg gave a speech uh, at, at Georgetown University two years ago, kind of arguing basically trying to make the argument for why Facebook wasn't going to take these lies that Donald Trump was telling or Donald Trump's campaign was telling about Hunter Biden and Nancy Pelosi, why why he wasn't going to take them down. And he made basically a libertarian argument, kind of a Peter um, Thiel-style argument. And I think you you see that influence showing up all over the place. He does believe that, by the way. And by the way, there's a whole strain of the value. And this is, again, where Thiel fits in, where it is – Facebook's business model not to take down stuff that – not to take down horrible lies that Donald Trump tells or anybody else. Um, but that's also YouTube and Twitter and they all – and it's it's their business model. It's legally uh, crucial to their structure. But it is also what they believe. Right, they right. believe ideologically that we should let everyone say what they want uh, unless they're literally going to harm someone. Yep. Um, and not only is that like a better way to run a business, but it's better than the establishment. And here they mean you and me and everyone on the Acela corridor telling people how to behave either through media or through law. And that the better way to do this is to let it all get sorted out by people assisted with software. Yeah, absolutely. And and it's a super useful ideology. And, I, you know, I think to, to me, like one thing where, where Peter Thiel is like clearly a genius is like sort of combining ideology with business, finding ideological positions, connections, political movements that that have some resonance in, in the business world that benefit him and his friends, et cetera. It's kind of very, I think, very similar to the Coke approach, actually, in terms of finding like ideological things that help the business, using the business to help the politics. And, and there's kind of a, quote, a virtuous or, depending on your point of view, uh, anti-virtuous cycle. There's a sort of second ideology that that you kind of hinted at that I think is something that they all believe in too, which is this idea of growing really big, really fast, as as fast as we possibly can and damn the consequences. And that, you know— Or deal with the consequences later. Yeah, yeah, deal with the consequences later or, or maybe, oh, who knows, might makes right or something. And and I think that—I um, think you see that, of course, in both in, in kind of the behavior of Facebook and many of its peers, um, also the way they talk about themselves. Like, it's you know, I don't think it's any coincidence that Zuckerberg's, you know, into like imperial Rome, you know, kind of this militaristic metaphor for, for the company. Um, but, of course, it shows up in— in Zero to One, which is Teal's book. I mean, Teal's book, which came out in 2014, grew out of a Stanford class that he taught in 2012. You know, it basically makes the argument that business success is monopoly profit, and that and so so that's basically uh, you know an ideology that says you need to get as big as you can, you need to dominate the network, um, basically do whatever you can to to dominate the network, and then and then take profit. And that and I think we're seeing that play out. As you said, like across the tech industry, not just at Facebook, but but of course, Facebook's a good example of it. Head over to Peter's podcast, Recode Media, to catch the rest of his conversation with Max. And thanks for tuning in to Recode Daily. My name is Adam Clark Estes, and this episode was produced by Alan Rodriguez Espinosa and engineered by Paul Robert Mouncey. Also, make sure you're subscribed to Recode Daily wherever you get your podcasts, so you're the first to know when our new episodes are out. And if there's something you want us to cover, let us know by emailing us at recodedaily at recode.net. <laughs>